Thank you, Miss Ellen. Lots going on, and there's something for you, so you don't have to miss out on anything that God has for you. Uh, if you're visiting, my name is Peter. I serve as the lead pastor of the Springs. Uh, this week, we have a special treat for you. I'm uh, going to remind you of some context. A few months ago, Pastor Morgan, the lead pastor of Mosaic Church, which is another Every Nation church uh, in our family of churches and ministries, uh, Mosaic in North Austin, Mos- uh, Morgan came down and announced that our two churches are going to be working a lot more intimately and closer together moving forward. Uh, their church is now serving as our oversight and our governance that we're officially married more closely together. Uh, their first task as they've been working, their elder team has been working behind the scenes to help us identify and train and build up and, and present forth new leaders. And so today there's a special treat that we're going to talk about eldership from the Word of God. And we have an elder, Galen Washington, from Mosaic here to preach for us. Galen is an elder. He's an entrepreneur. His more uh, true identity, those are just his, his uh, disguises. Uh, but he is the husband of Simone, the father of Christian and Sheridan. I'm not missing any. Am I? These two... I'm like, man, I'm th- with those two, man, if he has any more kids, that's to just take over the world yesterday. But his two kids are leaders at Mosaic, grown adults, uh, powerful people, and he's still only 30 years old. So I don't know how that all works out mathematically. But I'm going to bring you up, and, th- and everyone give a hand for Pastor Galen coming in here to bless us. You can stand down there. I'm 6'5", and so standing up there just feels way awkward. Uh, Yeah, but greetings from Mosaic Church, Austin. Uh, I'm really honored to be here. And as Peter said, we're walking together more closely as two churches, and um, we have the privilege of talking about two elder candidates at the close of the message today. Guys, I'm going to try to be really succinct and brief. I'm going to do my best. Uh, Looking for the clock. I see the clock there. Thank you. And, uh, And so let's get started. Just a brief bit about me. I am married. I've been married for 24 years. My wife is my best friend, love of my life. Wish I could tell you guys how I met. Uh, we, we, we met and, and were married six weeks after we met. That's a whole other story. Um, Christian and Sheridan are amazing. Um, you know, I, I served at Zoe Christian Fellowship uh, in California for some years, and uh, my wife and I did marriage ministry, family ministry, that sort of thing in, in a lay capacity. And uh, God one day put it on our, on our heart that we were going to move to Austin. I, we had no idea where Austin was. You know, we knew it was in Texas, but we also had Austin and Tumbleweeds in the same kind of vernacular. And so, but God told us to move to Austin. And so we you know, moved, sold our house, looked for jobs, and then God planted us at um, uh, Christ Community Church, uh, which uh, became Mosaic Church Austin. I started as a deacon, I think, in 2008. And then in 2009, I started to get vetted as, a, as an elder. And I've been serving in that capacity since then. And so context for this, uh, for our time this morning, we are at the close of this uh, uh, message. We're going to talk about the candidates who are being nominated to serve as elders. And so I just want to talk about what the eldership model looks like, what's an elder um, for, the, for the purposes of how we at Mosaic Church think about it. You know, this is kind of a big deal. It's kind of a really big deal. And I'm really excited about what this church is doing. I think this is going to be catalytic for this local body. You know, in church, 
we forget what we're here for sometimes. We're here to transform the locality around us. We're here to see the Spirit of God move so powerfully in our lives that lives all around us would be transformed. I am so excited about what God is doing in this house. I have vision for what God is going to do here that scares me in a good way. I'm so excited. You know, so let's get into my opening scripture, Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life evermore. Let's pray. Father, I thank you and praise you that the Lord is a spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I thank you that there is freedom in this house. Holy Spirit, I pray that you talk to each one of us in this brief time that we have together. Thank you for your goodness to us. We couldn't make it without you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So three brief points. Uh, the role of an elder, the Mosaic Church, uh, Austin elder model, and then we'll get into the nominees. Okay, sound good? All right, so the role of an elder. You know, I, at Mosaic Church, so I, I'm 47 years old, and I had some sweet old ladies come up to me one day when I first got nominated some years ago, and they looked at me and said, baby, you can't be an elder. You're too young. How can you be an elder in this church? And so, and they were right. I was way too young to be an elder. That's right. But the truth is, God commissioned and called me to something that I'd, I had no concept of what he was calling me to. And so the context for an elder is it's a role of leadership or oversight or management, okay? And so if you think about it, for Mosaic Church, when we say the word elder, we're saying these are individuals who have been commissioned to lead the church and govern the church from kind of soup to nuts. And that's a big responsibility. It's a heavy responsibility, and it's an honor beyond my own words. I can't articulate what an honor it is. So that's what it is. And, and the Greek word we get, episkope or episkopos, refers to the work of an overseer in the church. In Titus uh, 1, 7 through 9, it reads, A church leader is a manager of God's household, so he must live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent, or dishonest with money. Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. You know, there are a number of different things that elders do, and I just want to read a few of them off. They lead the church. They teach and preach the word of God. They protect the church from false teachers. They exhort and admonish the saints in sound doctrine. They visit the sick and pray. They judge doctrinal issues. And this is a big one. They are also, they are watchmen. They are people who watch over the, the culture and the values of the church. Now, at Mosaic Church Austin, look, every church has the great commission, the great call to make disciples. But every church fulfills that great commission differently. 
There's something in our DNA that God gives us specially to minister to the locality that he places his church in. And so the way that we go about doing that is very different. One of the things that Mosaic Church Austin is known for is uh, discipleship in the context of ethnic and generational. Uh, so it's, it's the ethnicities that God's given us and the generations God's given us. We talk about this all the time. We run programs. We have people coming from all across the, the city of Austin to our church once a quarter to talk about race and politics and social dynamics and what's the role of the church in that. And sometimes, every once in a while, I'll get someone, one of the elders will have someone come up to us and say, wait a minute, you've been making a stance for this kind of narrative all these years, and then some president said something that was so terrible, and you, did, you guys didn't say anything. I thought you were a social justice church. And we have to tell them, no, 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 we are a Jesus Christ church first. We have to defend against things that try to take away or drip away from the DNA of the local body. That's the role of an elder. Sometimes an elder has to say some very frank and hard things about people's belief systems or expectations that we ought to be doing. It can be a drip, a pull away from what God has called us to do. And so elders have a big responsibility to sit back and watch to see, are there little things that are trying to siphon off the call of God on this local house? Is there something that's a, a, a toxic seed laying underneath the surface? Is there some force at work trying to dilute the power of God in his house? There's a righteous indignation that elders must walk with. Because we're not, it's not about us. It's about those that we are called to shepherd and serve and steward. So it is a very serious responsibility. One that I thank God for every day. It's made me a better man. I thank God I've had the privilege of walking with these other men. So we have to defend against things that seem to try to pull us away. The role of an elder. So that's a little bit about kind of the individual perspective of an elder. I want to get briefly into the Mosaic Church Austin elder model. So many of you are aware that we, at Mosaic Church Austin some years ago, we had some issues going on. And some of, how many of you guys are aware of the man of God, kind of patriarchal church leadership structure, where it's just one voice kind of making all the calls and calling all the shots? You guys are familiar with that? Well, we had some, some issues with that some years ago, and our church really struggled. And so we decided, they decided, this is before, this is about a year or two before I actually joined the church, we decided that we weren't going to lead that way anymore. And we felt like the, the scriptures informed a better approach. And it was what we call plurality of leadership. And with that, really, it, if you want to think about it, it's Morgan Stevens is the lead pastor of our church. He's the chief communicator. Uh, he leads the staff day to day. He preaches the word of God, that sort of thing. John and I, we, we spend a lot of intimate time in each other's lives. And this is something that I, I really want you guys to get. And a pastor must have people in his or her life digging into the real nitty-gritty of their, their life and their soul. It's a specialization that I actually really, really enjoy. Morgan doesn't like it so much, but, <laughs> but I really enjoy looking at And sometimes we bypass our uh, John and Morgan, and we'll go to our wives. You know, and when, when Morgan's sitting right there and Carrie's sitting right there, we don't look at Morgan and say, Morgan, how you doing, man? No, we look at his wife. 
You want to know why? Because the eyes of a wife will tell you everything you need to know. Sometimes our wives will say, oh, they're doing okay. Other times our wives will say, they ain't doing okay. Galen needs some help. He needs some prayer. John, Morgan, Nathan, y'all need to pray for your boy. Go take him to coffee or something. Fight for his soul because he's not in a good place. You need that in a church. Some people get a little uncomfortable because they feel like it dilutes the authority of the lead pastor or the senior pastor. But when it's executed well, it actually strengthens that model. Every pastor needs this. I honestly don't know how many make it without this kind of structure. It's a model aimed at distributing weight and responsibility and accountability. We call this deferential leadership. Sometimes we're talking through it, and it's funny. If you guys could sit at a, at a Thursday or Tuesday morning session with uh, the elders and the pastors, we're sitting down over coffee, we're praying, we're talking about the church, we're talking about the souls in the church and the ministries in the church, and what does God want us to do next? And it's funny because in deferential leadership, sometimes you have to shut up and not speak and grow smaller and quieter, and make space for other leaders to grow and for God to speak through them. It's very different, especially when you come from a, you know, a normal, a traditional structure of the, head vo- the, the lead voice, the head voice. You, know, you can look around the table and see in the eyes, I, I know what the answer is. I know what direction we have to take. Let's just go ahead and make this happen. But you can see the intentional restraint of the leader saying, brother, I need to be quiet because I may only have a slice of the vision. I may not have everything. I want to make space for my brother to see if God is saying something else to him. Maybe he has a different perspective that I simply did not have. This is, these are little ingredients. Church, if we're not doing this well, I promise you this has a, an effect on the local body. Every leadership structure in the church depends on what I'm talking about right now in ways that I can't even account for. There's so many variations of responsibilities that we carry and so many things that we're talking about that if we're not doing this well, and if we can't model this for the deacons and the staff, we're failing them. They need to see what does this plurality of leadership look like. And so... Morgan, John, and I, we co-govern Mosaic Church Austin. And it's, it's strange. It's like the best way I can describe it is it's like a dance, okay? Each elder has primary, secondary, and tertiary lanes. As I said, Morgan's lane is to lead and, and teach, uh, lead the staff day to day, preach the Word of God. Me and John, uh, our role is to get his back and make sure that he's free to focus on those things. You know, we use language like, John, is that the very best lane that you could be running in right now? Should you maybe change your behavior and maybe spend your time doing something else? We talk to Morgan Stevens about that sometimes because Morgan, everyone wants the lead pastor to do everything for them. We have to sit down sometimes and say, hey, Morgan, maybe there's another way we can do this. Is this really your best lane? What's your primary lane? What's your secondary? That's a very transparent kind of raw thing. The man in us and, the, and the, the leader in us wants to say, don't tell me what to do. I got this. Have a seat. But that's not how we operate. We check our pride. 
We pray for humility. We ask the Holy Spirit to show us how to surrender to this process. I tell you what, all the years that my wife and I have spent serving marriages and families, I wish to God we would see more of this deferential leadership in marriages and families as well. This is a universal principle. It's not just about eldership. It's about relationship stewardship. And of course, at any given moment, we have to be prepared, any elder has to be prepared to lead every, in every lane, run any lane. When the need arises, an elder needs to be ready to step up and run any lane. I, I had a, a situation, um, maybe it was three weeks ago, a woman started to demonically manifest in the middle of service. And we were all in the front row praying for people. And I'm not trying to scare anyone if you're not accustomed to hearing about that, but the demonic realm is real, and the power of God is stronger. But there was a moment where this woman was beginning to manifest. And she was a 4'11 woman, and the ushers were having difficulty helping her, and and literally she was throwing them around like rag dolls. And Morgan looked at me. John was uh, at the hospital. He's He's a neonatologist, so he was not able to be there that Sunday. Morgan looked at me. I looked at him. We looked at each other, and if you could have heard the words that we were saying, that we didn't say anything, but what we were saying was, Morgan was saying, go serve that sweet lady and kick that devil's butt. Yeah. And I was looking back at Morgan saying, you preach the word, ma'am, while I go take care of this. <laughs> and we, we did that. We walked away, and it was funny because after we walked into the room, and there were six of us that carried this woman in, everyone left, and it was just me and some other woman with this woman who was manifesting demonically, and we looked like, where's our cover? I had to be ready for that. I couldn't have been half-stepping as an elder. I couldn't have been watching Game of Thrones the night before. I'm serious. I had to have my soul ready, my heart ready, my mind ready to be used in the moment that it was required of me. And you know what I remember? While that, that woman was manifesting, I was celebrating in my heart because you know what I had been doing the night before? I had been preaching to some youth about the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it just carried right over into Sunday morning. I was like, oh, God, you're so good. But if I had been half-stepping, if I had been out messing around, I would not have been as equipped as I was at that moment. An elder must be prepared to run every lane at any given moment. This isn't about perfection or how great I can be because I'm a terrible person without the power of Christ in me. This is about a surrendered life and a recognition of the weight and responsibility that you've said yes to. You know, in 10 years of uh, walking with John and Morgan, we've never had to vote on a single issue. Never had to vote on should we or shouldn't we do something, make some strategic decision go in some direction. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with voting. Sometimes voting is necessary. But we simply agreed years ago that if we were not in agreement, we would sit and trust the Holy Spirit to unite our hearts and give us one heart, one mind to choose well for his kingdom. Again, a universal principle that I wish to God I would see in more households more marriages. 
I'm restraining myself not to go down that lane. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> if you had a husband sitting next to you, that might be a, you may be in some elbows right now. <laughs> this is why I selected Psalm 133 as an opening psalm or the scripture, is because it describes the, the aspirational goal that we have to, to reproduce the kind of unity that you see in the Godhead the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, each working, serving, working, serving, serving each other, covering each other's backs. We long for that so much. It's our model. It's our archetype. It's what we, what we aspire to. We fundamentally believe that so goes the relationships of the church, of the leaders, the leaders in the church, so goes the health and the effectiveness of the local church. We fundamentally believe that. I'm not saying we're everything to the church, but I'm saying God works through authority. And when that authority is sick, it limits the power and the ability of the church. God, by his grace, fixes all, fixes all that, but it, it affects our ability to be effective for the local body and for the city that we're called to serve. This is so important, I could preach this all day. And I pray to God that your hearts and minds are open to what I'm talking about. The currency of trust, the currency of healthy relationships is what will sustain this local body. It's what will enable it to take on new souls that God sends to disciple them well. That's where the power is going to come from. And then the question is, but how can we do this? How can we be effective at making disciples and, and all this lofty stuff we're talking about, transforming the city of San Marcos and the city of Austin for the power and glory of God? How do we do that? There are a number of ways that churches can try to do this, and we try in, in various ways. But there are two key ways that I want to share with you now that, that we focus on when we're trying to make sure that we're doing this well. The first way is we remain hyper-focused on our core values as a filter for everything we do. Worship. We devote everything that we are and everything that we do to the glory of God as a spiritual act of service. We want to be able to worship together. Community. We just talked about this. Psalm 133. We want to see at every level that, that divine unity permeate every area of the church in every service area. Mission. We believe that God's mission needs a church, not the other way around. Sometimes you hear people say the church needs to go on mission for God. No, the church needs to be available to the Spirit of God and to His direction, and we can go on, on His mission. We want to be busy about that. Why is this so important? Because when we stay focused on the values of the church... What happens is when something comes up that has the tendency to try to divide us, whether it's a, a spiritual attack or maybe it's you know, one of us being fleshy or we're just you know, we're trying to hold on to a position, what will happen is if we juxtapose this thing with our values, if it doesn't advance our mission, we simply say, why are we talking about this? Where, where's the power in this? Where's the value in pursuing this conversation? What's really at the base of this thing? It allows us to diagnose and move on very quickly. 
The other thing that we do is we do our best to work relationally, conceptually, and executionally. I want to pause for a second on this one. We've talked a lot about relationship. Relationally, the importance of understanding how we're doing. It's not easy. It's a lifestyle commitment that we have made as elders to say, we're going to be all up in each other's business, even when it feels a little bit uncomfortable. This is what it takes to keep the eldership together. Without it, eventually someone's heart starts to separate from the group. And you can see little signs of it here and there. When you are healthy relationally, you can communicate more effectively. You can understand each other's hearts better. The words that are spoken don't fall on on deaf ears or on, on, on unfertile ground. They land in good places. When you understand each other, when you really understand each other, you can then do the thing that everyone really wants to do, which is what? Get to work. The problem is when you get to work before you spend the time understanding each other relationally, conceptually, executionally, what happens is you have suboptimal execution, wasted resources, wasted time, wasted energy. And so we aspire to do this. Even sometimes we're looked... Sometimes on our Tuesday or Thursday morning meeting, we will sit down, 6.30, and we're looking at each other, and we have a list this long of stuff to talk about. We will turn that list over and spend time digging into each other's lives and saying, what's going on, man? How are you doing? How's your wife? How's your life? How's your marriage? Even though in our minds we're saying, but there's so much stuff we've got to get done. We would rather sacrifice jumping to execution, if we realize we've skipped the most critical part, which is dealing with our relationships. I cannot stress this enough. And I'm praying that as I'm speaking, God is sowing seeds of relational power into this house that will sustain it for years to come. And so we talked a little bit about what an elder is, I shared a little bit about our model at Mosaic Church Austin. And the last part of my conversation with you guys is to just talk about the elder candidates um, who are being named here today. And so actually, if I could have uh, Jess Stevens. Where are you, Jess? Where's Thaddeus Brown? Oh, there you are. Um, I have not had a chance to get to know these, these amazing men, um, but I've, I've heard from others uh, that they are men who love God, who love his word, who love their families. I've heard that they have exemplary character and that they're serious about the work of God and that they actually deserve to be considered to take on extra weight for this local body. And so what we're doing is we're we're allowing 30 days. This is basically a vetting process where we're going to allow the church to pray and ask God to speak to us about their candidacy. And, And listen, this is a big deal. This is essentially saying we're giving the keys to the church 
to these individuals in a very, really impactful way. An elder, like I said, can run any lane and has complete authority within the, within the confines of that local body and the stewardship of the church. It's a big deal. Praise God. And so we don't want to rush it. We want to make space and time. And what we want to do is, over the next 30 days, I think the end date of our receiving feedback will be December 4th. And if you have anything that you'd like to submit in the way of support or concern about these individuals and their candidacy for this role, you can send that email to eldercandidates at thesprings.tx.org. And so I'm really excited because this isn't us going through formalities, but I believe they will be confirmed, and I'm really excited about what God's going to do through them. I'm really excited. And so what I'd like to do is, as we wrap up and prepare to close, I'd like to pray. And if you guys could stir up the gift of faith that God's given you as I pray, if you could just pray for them and their families, because normally when people say, yes, I'm game, I want to do this, normally it paints a big bullseye on them and their families. And these men have earned the right through Peter's eyes, to walk with him in the kind of fellowship that I just finished preaching about. Peter has already evaluated the cost of making this decision. It's, it's very costly for a lead pastor to do this. He's giving up power. Peter is saying, I relinquish power. It's a big deal. And so let's pray and ask God to confirm his choices. So, Father, I just thank you and I praise you for the men standing here and their families, their households. You are so good, God. You are so good. And no matter what tries to get stirred up, your power is greater. I pray that you would breathe on your sons and their households that no weapon formed against them would prosper. Father, I thank you and I praise you that we are not standing here playing church. We are assembled to make you smile, Dad. We want to see you smile. And this is a choice that we believe you're behind. And so we thank you for it. We thank you for the hedge of protection over them, over their minds, their hearts, for the testing that is coming and that will continue to endure. We thank you that your grace is always sufficient. Always sufficient. Thank you for Peter and his leadership and his sacrificial giving and his sacrificial heart. And Lord, we thank you for this church. We pray that they would benefit from every decision being made as it relates to the leadership in this house. That this church would not have room enough to receive the blessings that you have prepared for this house because of the way that they've consecrated their hearts before you. It's in your Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Go into a time of communion. I think this is a perfect moment to celebrate what Jesus did for us 
and find our sustenance through faith at the table of God. The only reason why imperfect men can perform God's perfect will in leading in a marriage, in a church, or anything is because Jesus, the perfect man, died for our imperfections. And talk about deferential leadership. He eternally existed in the Godhead. And Philippians 2 says he thought it not robbery or or he, he, he figured it wasn't worth staying there instead of the exchange of what he would receive in his glory and the children that he would purchase by leaving what he had in heaven and taking on the form of a servant. And he humbled himself even to the point of death, even death on a cross. So he lived the life that we should have lived as a servant, deferential leadership at its finest. And then he chose instead of receiving the reward that he earned into his account, he traded and died the death that we should have died in our place. Would you stand to your feet with me, please?